0: Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya. Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya. Om jnana timirandasya gyananjana shalakaya chakshuramilatam jena tasmai shri gurve Namaha Hare Krishna. So today we're going to look at uh, the title is "Changing Matter into Spirit," and we're going to focus on Bhagavad Gita, chapter four, text number twenty-four. And uh, and in that particular section of uh, of Bhagavad Gita, there's something that's going on there. There's a, a transformation taking place. That uh, initially Arjuna instructed, Krishna instructed Arjuna that he should participate in the battle, he should follow his, his Dharma, his duty, but he should do it in a very particular way. Uh, so the persons on the other side, Duryodhan and Vitarastra and the, and the uh, Duryodhan's brothers, is she going to That they were fighting because they were greedy for the kingdom. They wanted, to, they wanted to rule over the kingdom. And Krishna told Arjuna also, he says, even those people that are going to die on the battlefield, it's good fortune for them. He said, those who die honorably on the battlefield, they'll go to Swarga, the, the heavenly planets for the Devatas reside. So to live, live a very long time, have a much better material circumstance than we have here. But he says you shouldn't fight for any material reason. Because he made it very clear from the very beginning of Bhagavad Gita that there's two things. There's matter and spirit. And one of them is sat. It's eternal. has genuine substance and reality. And the other one is asat, is temporary. Is matter is temporary. And he also made it very clear to Arjuna says, you and all living creatures are spirit. So immediately he tells him, right, you should pursue, right, in the very first few instructions, he mentioned you should seek this, he first says amrit, deathlessness. Right? And he says brahma nirvana. So he says, you should seek the eternal atmosphere, the spiritual atmosphere. So you shouldn't aim at anything. Your motivation for acting shouldn't be anything connected with matter, which is temporary. It's asat. So he tells them, you fight. You do your duty as a kshatriya, but you shouldn't desire any of the material results from that, the the palam, the fruits, the the things resulting from that. Because if you perform your dharma, you may get something... Immediately enjoyable, just like if, if Krishna says we fight, you'll, have, you'll enjoy the kingdom. But otherwise you'll get something, some positive karmic reaction that may come later. You're guaranteed that. But he tells him, you shouldn't desire that. He says, you shouldn't even think that you deserve it. He says, you have a right to perform your duty, but you don't deserve to get that reaction. And why is that? Because even your actions are not done independently. He says, are you performing actions with your body? That's been given to you. And even the ability to act with your body, this isn't coming from you. The devatas are in control. But Krishna mentions later on, he says, even, even your ability to understand what's going on around you, he says that's given by me in the heart, your remembrance and forgetfulness. To even understand who you are, where you are, the Davidas help you actually to move your body. So you don't—you haven't earned it right? because you haven't acted independently. So he says you should fight without any kind of material motivation. This is Karma Yoga, and that when that becomes more mature, what happens? It says that the, that the that some jnana, some knowledge arises. And some deeper connection with the soul arises. And one's whole outlook on things begins to transform. Krishna, this this kind of transformation is discussed at the end of of chapter 2. Prophet says, it translates as the divine consciousness or this profound intelligence that takes place. And then, so the karma yoga turns into more jnana yoga. And we'll see uh, in... uh, I've taken a few uh, a few snippets from the previous verses, 19, 419 through 422, that kind of show where the, where the, the karma has turned into jnana. And then here in, in text 24, and introduced in 23, the jnana yoga is going to deepen and start to reach towards perfection. That's, that's, that's the basic context of what this is happening. But Srila Prabhupada is going to give us uh, 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 a translation and an explanation of the verse we're going to talk about, two twenty four, that's particularly relevant for devotees of Krishna, and shows some of the very the special advantages of devotional service. So anyway, in so in uh, in, in the lead up to four nineteen through four twenty two, Krishna mentions that these persons are ever satisfied and independent. Generally, we're never satisfied. <laughs> All right. All right. So, ever satisfied you know, shows that there's this deeper connection with the soul has happened. For they're acting out of satisfaction. Right. Every endeavor is devoid of desire for sense gratification. Right. When, when, when Krishna explains what the divine consciousness looks like, the first characteristic he says is that, that such a person has no uh, material desires which arise from the mind. That's that's a result of this full satisfaction. We have so many desires when we feel unsatisfied. The mind and intelligence perfectly controlled. Very unusual, and free from duality and does not envy. So he's explaining what that what that Gyan Yoga looks like. And then in, in text twenty three, he takes it. He introduces. He takes it a little deeper because if, if we look beyond text twenty four, we're going to see that this that this there's a certain practice of, of sacrifice or yajna that's going to result in, in, in transcendental knowledge and, and perfection. And so that this notion comes up here in text 23. And so this particular word here, yajna yacharata, introduces the topic that's picked up in text 24 and then carried on in, in the whole section. This notion and the and the way Prabhupada translates this is yajna is for the sake of yajna, sacrifice or Krishna, and acharita acting. So the the persons in Gyanā are acting, and making their acts are for are acts of sacrifice, which means to, to to please the Lord ultimately. We'll see how Prabhupada explains that also later. Uh, now, so translates this verse and explains it in a way that particularly is relevant for us as bhaktis, as devotees. But it has, if, if you look at it just in a very literal sense, uh, it it, it's, it has an interesting meaning that we'll look at first. Anyway, the, the verse is, brahmarpanam brahma brahmagno brahmanahutam, Brahma brahmakarma sumadina. So we'll, we'll look at it because we mentioned this that, that the person, you know, acts only for sacrifice. So we'll look first at the kind of a very literal translation of the verse. This is this comes from uh, uh, a, disciple, a uh, garuda prabhu. And uh, and so it says it says this is brahmarpanam, brahman is the ritual instrument. Brahman is the offering, which is poured by brahman into the fire of Brahman. Brahman alone is to be attained by one who is, perf- who is in perfect meditation on the actions of Brahman. And then uh, one, of our, one of our Acharyas, Srila uh, Vishwanath Takur, Thakur, he comments, he says, Arpanam refers to the instruments such as the wooden spoon used to offer the ghee into the fire. This is Brahman. The substance used as oblation, the ghee, is Brahman. The fire in which the oblation is placed is Brahman. The performer of the yajna is Brahman. The person who sees things in this way attains Brahman alone, not any other result. Why? Because he has concentrated his attention on the action which is composed only of Brahman. He says Brahma, Karma. Samadhin. So there's a, a kind of an image that's given here because there's a. As you know, we'll find out, there's many kinds of sacrifices, but the, the, the one that's, that's commonly known is the fire sacrifice. And so this, this kind of imagery is being used here, if, if you, in, in Bhagavad Gita. So you have you know the, the fire sacrifice. So you have the fire, you have the you have the priest holding the the ladle of ghee. So it so said that somebody who's has has deep knowledge. Uh, they're thinking like that. They're, if they're, say, if, say if they're performing a sacrifice like that, they're thinking that, that the the arpanam, the, 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 arpanum, the, the little ladle that they're using with the ghee, that's made of Brahman. The ghee that they're offering is made of Brahman. The fire is made of Brahman. Their act of pouring it into the fire is made of, made of Brahman. And they themselves are made of Brahman. And so if they have that concentrated samadhi, that concentrated understanding, then they, brahmaivatena Gantavi, they transcend this world and enter into Brahman. That's what happens there. Now we'll, we'll look at how Srila Prabhupada renders it. And he, he, he does it, and he, he bases his, his uh, translation and his commentary on a particular understanding of the word yajna, sacrifice which uh, he explains in the purport, and also he's explained earlier in chapter 3. And so here's, here's what Sri Prabhupada says in the purport to, uh, to uh, um, 4.23. He says, Whatever he does, he does for Krishna, who is the primeval Vishnu. Therefore, for all his works are technically sacrifices, because sacrifice aims at satisfying the Supreme Person, Vishnu or Krishna. So, someone who's, who's a bhakta, who's serving Krishna, right? that's the, that, that that's, yeah, so the, f- completely fulfills the definition of sacrifice. Right? Doesn't have to take a fire or the ladle. Right? You're acting in some way that pleases Krishna. He right? says all his works are technically sacrifices. And then he explains the same thing in, in the purport to uh, Bhagavad Gita 3, 9, chapter 3, text 9. Yajna means Lord Vishnu, it's a name for, it's one of one of the incarnations, if you look in the Srimad Bhagavatam, means Lord Vishnu or sacrificial performances. All sacrificial performances also are meant for the satisfaction of Lord Vishnu. The Vedas enjoin, Yajna vai Vishnu. In other words, the same purpose is served whether one performs prescribed yajnas or directly serves Lord Vishnu. And so, as bhaktas, as, bhakta, as bhakta, devotees, that's what we're trying to do. And so Prabhupada gives us a... you know, When, when Prabhupada is, is explaining Bhagavad Gita, he particularly... And his purpose was to spread Krishna consciousness and teach people about devotion. And so he particularly renders Bhagavad Gita to make it most relevant to that. And that's what he does here. And So let's take a look at, at, at Srila Prabhupada's translation and explanation. He's, so this is this is text 424, our, our verse for today. A person who is fully absorbed in Krishna consciousness is sure to attain the spiritual kingdom because of his full contribution to spiritual activities in which the consummation is absolute and that which is offered is of the same spiritual nature. Hmm. And so we'll, we'll, we'll try to break that down a little bit in pieces and show how it relates to the verse. And then there's something in Prabhupada's translation and explanation that far surpasses uh, what happens to the jnanis and how, how the jnana yogis and, and how it works. There's something that's unique to bhakti that makes all the difference here. So we'll we'll look at that. So uh, so I've, I've, taken, I've taken this in order because it's a... And that which is offered is of the same spiritual nature. So that, that refers to this, you know, brahmarpanam, that, that, that the, uh, the ladle or the, the, the offering, whatever is used in the offering is brahman. The javier or the ghee is brahman. The fire is brahman. And the, offer, the the person who offers is Brahman, and also the offering itself is Brahman. So he says, that which is offered is of the same spiritual nature. So he's, he's dealing with this, this part of it, that when, when, when devotees are acting in the service of Krishna, themselves, everything that they're using, is also, in one sense, spiritual. How? Let's take a look at it. Um, Prabhupada says in the Purport. he says, the word brahma, brahman, means spiritual. The Lord is spiritual, and the rays of his transcendental body are called brahma-jyotir. He is spiritual effulgence. Everything that exists is situated in that brahma-jyotir, but when the jyotir is covered by illusion, maya, or sense gratification, it is called material. And then there's a. I, was a, I did a, a quick search of the Veda base for spiritualizing matter. And the first hit that came up was this beautiful lecture that describes the whole thing. It was, it was in. Uh, uh, it's, it's a lecture on Bhagavad Gita 6.1. In February of 1969, it was done in Los Angeles. And here Prabhupada says, There is no matter. He says, Everything is spiritual. Because Krishna is spiritual. Krishna is the whole spirit, and the matter is and matter the matter is one of the energy of Krishna. Therefore it is also spirit. But because it is being misused, not for the purpose of Krishna, therefore it is matter. So he explains it. My my spiritual master, when he was a very new devotee, he was on a on a morning walk with Srila Prabhupada Vrindavan. And Prabhupada was saying something similar to this, that, that ultimately everything is spiritual. And so he was, he was confused by that. And he, so he asked, he was able to, fortunate enough to have to ask, ask a question. He said, well, Srila Prabhupada, I'm trying to understand the difference between matter and spirit. But you know, now you're saying that everything ultimately is spiritual. How do, you know, how do I deal with that? And he gave him kind of a cryptic answer. He, he, he said, we are not Mayavadis who think that, and he says, we're not Mayavadis. He says, there's different kinds of spirit. And so the, 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 the Mayavadi philosophers think that, that, that matter is illusion. It doesn't have any connection with the Supreme. It, it doesn't have any real existence. That anything material can't come. It would, it would, it would somehow denigrate uh, the Supreme. And so, and, and, and so what, what Prabhupada was saying is that we understand that everything emanates from Krishna. This is Krishna's teaching. I mean, the first verse of the Bhagavatam says it, Krishna says it in uh, the 10th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, everything, aham, sarvasya pavavomata, Pavartite, everything's coming from me. But then there's different kinds of spirit. So there's, some of the spirit is, 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 produces forms that are temporary, some of them are eternal. But they're both coming from Krishna. And we can see them in that way that this is also all of it is Krishna's energies. And that's the, the kind of meditation that that, that the devotees will have. Um, so that's how Prabhupada explains it. So the devotees will see it in that way, that everything is belongs to Krishna and it's also Krishna's energy. It's not disconnected. Prabhupada, Krishna uses the word in, in, in the seventh chapter, "bina" separated potencies. But it's not that literal it's disconnected from his personal lila his personal life Krishna has his own world the spiritual world that's made just for him and his devotees and his happiness and he's quite sufficient that's quite sufficient for him the material world is a concession to those who wish to not be a part of that so it doesn't have any sort of any intrinsic purpose for Krishna except indirectly. Because as souls, he's given us freedom to serve him or not. Therefore, service is voluntary. It can be real. It's not compelled. So in order to make the relationship genuine, he allows for a certain freedom, and then he gives us this world in order for us to to try that out. It doesn't serve any intrinsic purpose for him. So in that way, it's disconnected. But it's, but it's his. It's his energy, nonetheless. So then Prabhupada goes along. He says, a person who is fully absorbed in Krishna consciousness, and this other thing, because of his full contribution to spiritual activities, this relates to this brahma karma Samadana, which uh, they say that, that, that uh, there, there's this concentration, this focus, Right? That either all the activities are spiritual or that everything that 's being enacted is being enacted with spiritual energy this is, this is what the the, 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 the Jnana yogi is thinking that here whatever, whatever sacrifice i 'm performing i right? 'm spiritual ultimately all these other things that i 'm using the action itself is spiritual, and that kind of focus allows that person to be completely detached from the material and then to transcend. So from the devotee point of view, we're thinking the same thing, that everything is Krishna's energy. And we're Krishna's energy. And the actions that we perform are Krishna's energy. And that we and also of course the the, the the jnana yogi is thinking that they're they're performing some sacrifice. They're trying to please trying to please the Lord. So we're thinking the same thing. Everything, I'm Krishna's. I belong to Krishna. I'm Krishna's energy. Everything around me is Krishna's energy. The actions are Krishna's energy. And so I'm, to, and, and my the intention is to, is to, just to, to please Krishna, to perform a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So this is the, the Brahma, Karma, Samadhinapava, that we fully absorbed in Krishna consciousness and, and, and f- acting fully in, a, in, in spiritual activities. All their activities are spiritual because of that understanding. Mm-hmm. Not just in, a, in the moment of sacrifice, right? <laughs> but if they're, if they're fully absorbed, if they're in samadhi, they're always thinking like that. And all, therefore, whatever they do has spiritual intent to please Krishna. Mm-hmm. And Prabhupada says... Uh, he says, when the mind, and the purport, when the mind is fully absorbed in Krishna consciousness, it is said to be in samadhi or trance. Anything done in such transcendental consciousness is called yajna or sacrifice for the absolute. That's what he's saying. Now let's take a look at, is sure to attain the spiritual kingdom. Brahmaiva. Brahma means you know the, the, the spiritual or transcendent. Eva means certainly. That's why it says is sur- sure to attain. Right? And tana that person and gunta him goes there or achieves that. Like, like, gunta you know, is like a destination. Right? Actually, he goes there. So he so he he's following the uh, following the Sanskrit actually quite closely. And Prabhupada says a conditioned soul. Entangled in material contamination, is sure to act in the material atmosphere. And yet, he has to get out of such an environment. The process by which the conditioned soul can get out of the material atmosphere is Krishna consciousness. So again, this is this is in line with what we've learned from the Bhagavad Gita thus far. Right? That there's even if there, even though there are two kinds of spirit. The one kind of spirit, the eternal spirit, is of greater value. And and Krishna's advice still holds that we want to come out of that atmosphere and enter into the eternal spiritual atmosphere. So, Prabhupada says that that happens in the the practice of bhakti. Hmm? And that's, of course, and and, and, then it's the same thing as a similar thing, not the same thing, but a similar thing is happening. With the, with the Brahma yogi, the Jnana yogi, I'm sorry, they're they're by by performing their sacrifice with that right consciousness, they're going to transcend matter and get out. Hmm? But then Prabhupada says something interesting here, which and this doesn't seem to me to have a, a direct correlation with with the Sanskrit. But he, but if you look at how he, what he explains in the purport. This is, this is something that, 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 that shows the unique nature of bhakti. And it's very important. And this is really what we're, what we're talking about here in the title of the talk, Ch- Changing Matter into Spirit. He says, in which the consummation is absolute. Hmm? It seems like we really uh, what he explained before really covers what's in the, in the Sanskrit of the verse. So this seems to be something, you know, something a little additional. Uh, Prabhupada, many times, in his translations, will add a little explanation. My spiritual master calls them purportful translations. He he wants us to understand. And so the the consummation, I just got the little dictionary definition here, the act of consummating or it's a completion. Consummating means completing something. Or the state of being consummated means perfection or fulfillment. So let's take a look at uh, Prabhupada's purport, he says. And this we, we already we read the first part of this. When the mind is fully absorbed in Krishna consciousness, is it is said to be in samadhi or trance. Anything done in such transcendental consciousness is called yajna or sacrifice for the absolute. But then he goes on in the purport He says, in that condition of spiritual consciousness, the contributor, the contribution, the consumption, the performer or leader of the performance and the result or ultimate gain, everything becomes one in the absolute, the supreme Brahman. Now this sounds, right, this, 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 is what the, this is what the jnana yogi is thinking, right, that all these things are Brahman. But here Prabhupada says they become, they become one in the absolute. What happens with the, with the jnana yogi is that person then transcends. It doesn't mention anything about those things actually becoming, all the other things becoming one in the absolute. It doesn't mention that. It just says that that by that consciousness, that person becomes liberated. So let's see what Prabhupada says a little bit further. He says, The absolute truth covered by maya is called matter. Matter dovetailed for the cause of the absolute truth regains its spiritual quality. Krishna consciousness is the process of converting the illusory consciousness into Brahman or the Supreme. So in the, in, in, in the, the verse, says, if we just take it as, as, as uh, uh, describing the process of Jnana Yoga, you know, the performer is thinking that these things are ultimately Brahman. But they don't become transformed the person becomes transformed right, and escapes matter. Here he's saying that they that were actually converting illusory consciousness into Brahman or the Supreme. And then uh, in this, uh, this, this lecture, Prabhupada says, anything used for Krishna, simply for Krishna's satisfaction, it is spiritual. Just like we are using this microphone for talking about Krishna, then it is spiritual. And he goes on and he says, we are distributing prasadam. (laughs) People will say, why is prasadam? The same fruit we eat and you have simply cut into pieces. It has become prasadam. They can say that. But it is prasadam. You go on eating this prasadam, you become spiritualized. So it's something that. So the interesting thing is, is you know, it's not it's not just a convert a mental conversion. That's what's happening with the, with the with the brahma, the 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 jnana yogi. It's like a mental conversion. They're seeing it, seeing the connection with Brahman, and therefore they become purified. But anything that's used in Krishna's service, it becomes actually transformed, and other people who do not have that same samadhi, that same meditation, they can experience it. I mean, practically, the Krishna consciousness movement has come into being and has grown as much through prasadam as anything else. There's the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, it's certainly very prominent. But how many people have had their initial attraction. I've heard so many stories how uh, how have comment? Uh, you also yeah 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 who have who have have done that you know yeah so many so many people. I remember uh, I remember hearing uh, Hudayananda Maharaj say that you know that that you know of course all glories to the to the Bhagavad Gita but more people have become devotees through Halava <laughs> than the Bhagavad Gita. And I know stories of there's. A couple of devotees I know in, in Hawaii, they had that same situation. that they, were, they came to the temple and they were on these like really you know, raw diets or this, this kind of stuff and didn't want to even eat it at first. And, but somehow were encouraged to take some. And, uh, and it was over for them. They wanted to become devotees just after tasting prasadam. Uh, I had a friend of mine when I was in, in, in college Who was you know he was at that time he was he was in the deep throes of alcoholism so he didn't have any spiritual consciousness (laughs) at that time but he came to me to the little preaching center we had on campus and I didn't tell him anything about prasadam I didn't give him you know I just he just we just fed it to him so you know he wasn't expecting anything and he was eating it and he looked at me and he said you know I swear he says they put something in this food (laughs) I swear to you he says so you people can feel it it actually changes and it has an actual effect. Even when there's no, you know, samhadi, no focus of the attention or knowledge behind it. There's an actual transformation. Jai Shishi Gwantar. jai Shishi Mohan. Lakshman Hanuman. Jaya. Then Prabhupada goes on further and he says, you have to keep yourself constantly in Krishna consciousness. And then even your, this body, material body, is spiritualized. And then he says, golden can be called when it is made of pure gold. That is also golden. And if it is made of something else, but the coating is gold, large quantity of gold, it is also golden. Similarly, when this material body is full with spiritual activities only, this is also spiritual. So it's made of, made of the matter kind of spirit, but it's like it's gold-plated, <laughs> spiritually-plated, is what he's saying. Even the, and he mentioned and then he, later in, the, in that same quote, he, he mentioned how advanced devotees, their bodies aren't burned when they die. Usually you know, the, the body is considered to be unclean and will be cremated in the Vedic culture. But persons who have, are advanced in spiritual and in, in devotion, their bodies are considered to be fully spiritualized. And so they're, they're buried and not... And not burned. So the transformation is not just mental, it's real. And others who don't have that same meditation can perceive it. He goes on to say So our Krishna consciousness movement is to spiritualize, re spiritualize the whole thing, whole social position, political position, anything. And if it will actually spiritualize the whole world, he says, Of course, that's not possible. <laughs> but the idea is like that. But at least if individually one tries this re-spiritualization method, his life becomes perfect. So he the idea is like that 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 through devotion actually the the, the whole external world can be transformed. He's another place in there he said it becomes like the spiritual world. I couldn't I, could, I could, almost like could have had just that whole lecture was a little section of that one lecture was there. So this this understanding of how matter can transform into spirit means that, that, that devotees have a very have a, a unique way of dealing with the material world so those who are attached materially they see the world as very attractive they believe that, that they can actually it's, it's, it says in the Bhagavatam that when we first acquire maybe well, I guess it continues also but when, we, when we acquire. The, the physical body and the subtle body that, that we have this certain optimism it says we, we, we think it will be fruitful, palaban, it will produce fruit, we think oh this is good good stuff, I can use this this can, this can produce happiness in me satisfaction in me, it's a wonderful thing to have and so, so people who are material conscious are thinking like that, this is nice I can I can, I can have nice life here and so they're attracted to it. Those who have knowledge then tend to be averse to it. Right? No, 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 it's temporary. We also, Prabhupada talks like that. He, try, he tries to kill our optimism, right? He says that there's the threefold miseries, right? the miseries that come from your body and mind, that come from other creatures and come from your environment. Right? So that if you're attached to this world, you get that. the fourfold miseries, you know, birth, death, old age and disease, right? And you'll see that the, the gyanis, they, they, will, they will tend to, to live in seclusion. Right? Because we want to get out of it. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's an unhealthy atmosphere. We want to, we're going to be removed from it. There's nothing here. And so they're in seclusion. Generally. There's a withdrawal. And so if they're, if they're fortunate enough, they can help themselves. And they leave the world just as it was. But with devotees, there's a notion that you can create spiritual space within the material world. So you can, have, you know, so like you know, Prabhupada opened his first center in the middle of, you know, of Manhattan. That wasn't a very secluded, or seemingly peaceful, or spiritual place. But it was where other people could be benefited, and so you can create on-site, a spiritual atmosphere where devotees then can live and other people can benefit. So there's, there's a notion that ultimately our destination is the eternal spiritual. But here we are right now. If we see it as Krishna's energy and use it in Krishna's service, then there's no harm. In fact, there's a great help. That not only can we help ourselves, but we can help others. People can come to that spiritual environment. We can even take it out on the streets, take it with us, and people can be benefited by that. So there's neither an attachment nor an aversion to, to, to the material. Generally, it's one of the two either there's an attachment to it or there's an aversion. For us, in one sense, there's that deeper understanding, and not just in acts of sacrifice, but in, 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 in totality, that everything is Krishna's energy. And wherever we are, in whatever condition we are in, our business is to please Krishna. And if we do that, even the material energy that surrounds us becomes transformed. It becomes re-spiritualized. Prabhupada says that's what makes it material in the first place, is that we're trying to use it for our own personal satisfaction. That's what really makes it material. It may still be temporary, that's all right. But when it's used in Krishna service, it becomes, it has the spiritual quality. So people that take prasadam, people that come into the spiritual atmosphere, they can be transformed. And so that's the prabhupada gives us that uh, by taking this verse in, in, in a bhakti concept context, he really emphasizes the power of, of devotion. And we can begin. You know, we, we it's, it's you know it, generally we think that our that our bodies and minds and and the you know, other features of our psychic life, the intelligence and, and you know, they're, they're our enemies. But they can also be transformed. So, you know, even Krishna says the mind can be your worst enemy or your best friend. So just using whatever we have, seeing it in the connection with Krishna, and using, for its, its, using it in his service, means that in one sense, so this comes from, probably uses that word mukta, being liberated even while in the body. That one is no longer technically in, if there's that kind of samadhi, if, that, if that's a constant vision. becomes transformed. So we have it almost, and it said that the persons who are attached, either people are attached or they're averse. And we're neither. And that allows us to safely live here and to help others. So, Any uh, comments or questions or complaints?
1: Thank you for a very stimulating class, so much to think about. I'll keep my comment as brief as possible. And I want to begin by saying, I'm. <clears throat> during the course of your talk, I realize how uh, insignificant and full of fault and rascal I am, but uh, uh, the verse, it's one of the f- first verses I remember from my original encounter with Bhagavad Gita. It wasn't Prabhupada's Gita, it was a Gita written by uh, or translated and purports by uh, uh, one Swami Shivananda, which is some Mayavadi school somewhere in India um but this verse uh the translation you you showed by garuda prabhu is very similar to the one i remember from that version of the gita and i, I was i was thinking when you showed it why is why is a devotee in our line translating something in a way that appears to be so <clears throat> it seems like everything in the way that translation was very like one, oneness it was it was you know it was like the this is the brahman this is brahman this is brahman this is brahman, this is brahman everything is brahman and it very much uh encourages one to think that uh well everything is one, it's all one, and uh you know the goal is to become one uh, and then uh, then we you immediately pivoted to Srila Prabhupada's translation, which is so uh wonderful and uh so far beyond the literal meaning. Uh, and uh, it was uh, very transformative to hear or to think about how uh, that the actions of one and the the mind of one uh, can be transformed into spiritual like that. Uh, The same same verse, but so, such a different uh, approach to it.
0: Yeah, that's just, it's kind of the, he, he was, he's translating it in a very literal way, and so of course the the impersonalists will interpret that in a certain particular way. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, like it was basically what it says also that, that the 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 person performing the sacrifice is thinking in that way, it's kind of, and and that just can mean, and what is their understanding of brahman? You know, where is it coming from? And, is, you know, and there's also a notion of uh, the real notion. Even there, though, there's a notion of sacrifice. And so, in in in, in strict impersonal understanding, actually, things aren't brahman; they're illusion. If you if you follow Shankara Acharya very 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 strictly. The material world doesn't exist because, because the, because the, the uh, Brahman has no, has, cannot be transformed in any way. It, it always has to be one without a second. So if you have a creation, there's Brahman and there's a creation, there's two things. And so, so Shankaracharya, he, he explains it very carefully. He says there's no emanation, there's no energy. And so he says, actually, it's it's an illusory superimposition. you just mistakenly think it exists. And so even when you have just the notion of sacrifice, and that you know, sacrifice means you're connecting with the, with the divine, you know, in, in some way, in some form or other, you know, whether it, whether it's the impersonal or the personal, and it usually implies the personal, you know. And so if you if you actually because they'll say that that such an activity is just it's a preliminary activity. It won't cause you to merge. Hmm? Right? That all the devotion activities you may you may perform are just to get you to understand that you and nothing else really exists. And then poof, you find out you never existed. Everything is all. Actually, you don't find out anything. You just cease to be, and everything is one like it always was. So you needn't take that verse even when it's translated in a literal way as a mayavadi thing. It's 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 it's. Uh, it's um, because you know, I mean, Krishna spoke it that way, you know. He, it, it's it's uh, it's uh, uh, That's just the, the impersonals can take that and run with it and say, oh, this is this is what it means, right? It doesn't say that. Doesn't say that's what it means in the verse. It just says that they're they're seeing all those things as as being you know coming from Brahman.
1: So, in other words, it, it takes a paraduka, duki Vaishnava, such as Śrīla Prabhupāda, to uh, give the conditioned souls the proper interpretation, uh, m- many-layered interpretation, rather than the literal interpretation. Yeah,
0: well, well, Śrīla Prabhupāda, you know, his, his main purpose in, in Bhagavad Gita as it is was to, to do what he was doing to, 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 because in the first six chapters and even Prabhupada acknowledges this briefly in the, in the end of the sixth chapter is, a, is kind of a progression of yogas you know it, it, do, it doesn't talk usually it's considered that the first six chapters are this, this yoga ladder sometimes it's called Prabhupada calls this progression of yogas karma yoga, jnana yoga, dhyana yoga and then, and then the six, middle six chapters are, are all about bhakti. You know, so, so Krishna doesn't talk a lot about bhakti really until the, the, in, until the seventh chapter if you look at it that way. But in this day and age, none of these other yogas are practical. How are you going to get? How are you going to act like Arjuna said? Act in a normal way without any kind of material motivation. It's very difficult. So Prabhupada, the only practical thing we have is devotion in this day and age. And we can look at, and he mentions, he says at the end of the, in the very last purport of the sixth chapter, he says, to understand bhakti minutely, you have to understand these other yogas. So they're related to, these other yogas are related to elements of bhakti. And so you can see them, you can, you can see things, you can, you can have a bhakti interpretation of them. So when we understand that, we're, that, that what Krishna is saying is that you should surrender unto Him and become a devotee, that's that's the ultimate conclusion of Bhagavad Gita. That's very clear. And then you can go back to these these previous six chapters and you can see the bhakti in there. You can see you can see how it relates, how you can take some wisdom from that that applies to your devotion. And so Prabhupada was giving us those, because right? you know we're not going to become karma yogis. We're not going to become jnana yogis, we're not going to become dhyana yogis. We can't. We don't have the qualifications for it. But you can go back and you can see how these verses will relate to your bhakti if you've become a devotee. And so Prabhupada just went right, right straight for it because you know he's trying to help us, and he's trying to help everybody in the world. You know, it wasn't just trying to make an, an academic project. He was trying. To, he's trying to make us here. Here's how you use Bhagavad Gita. Here's how it's useful to us. Here's how it can make us grow. You know, so you see him. You know, you, you you see karma yoga up in the up in the word for word translation, and Prabhupada's says devotional service, because <laughs> <laughs> he said that he's showing us the the the, the, the contribution that that can that can make with that. So so it, it, he's he's always looking to do that for us because that's the only practical method we have. That's what Krishna is ultimately teaching, also. You know, so once once you go all the way through Bhagavad Gita and you understand the conclusion, you'll see it differently. When you, read, when you read those first six chapters, you'll see the, the, the devotion in these other verses. And so Prabhupada reveals that. Why waste time?
2: related to the conversation we were having yesterday about love and the difference between love in this world and spiritual world and it seems today it's all about it's all it's, it's the same energy but becomes depending on how we use it becomes you know either stays connected to the world in, in a temporary material level or it reveals the deeper spiritual level but the, at its essence Love is is there.
0: Well, see, so the same thing. If, if we if we act with desire, material desire, this is karma, right? Then that be, then then we've converted spirit into matter. <laughs> that converts the spirit into matter, and you get a material result, right? If you then use that you know quote matter not in your own narrow self interest. But in Krishna's interest, then it becomes re-spiritualized. The prophet uses the word re-spiritualized, if you notice in, the, in, the, in that lecture. He says re-spiritualized. It's not that it was, you know. he says, it was spirit. We've turned it into matter and we can turn it back into spirit by our desires. And so the, the, the same thing. Uh, the, the, the difference between, you know, we say, we, usually when we talk about love in, in, in this world, there, there's a high component of kama or desire. So you know that we 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 love something or someone because they do something for us there's some component of that right? and so that's you know that that's comma that's that's a material thing, but then the more there's a concern for the other done for the other's interest right then that becomes something different right? now that usually can can happen if we can develop some connection with Krishna. Because you need, you, what it takes to, to draw us out, it takes something to draw us out of our selfishness. Right? Like we, we may, if we, if we see something that's really, it's possible even, say even in the material world, you have this, you have, we have this notion sometimes that says you love someone enough to let them go. It's not necessarily, it's not necessarily completely pure, but you can, you can see that the idea is you want the welfare of that person. If there's extreme desire, you may want to keep somebody close to you, even against their will. Right? Because they do something for you. And you don't care if it's, the, if it's for their welfare, if it's their desire, you may want to keep them there. That's, that's desire, that's selfish. Right? But then there may be a case where you simply see that so much value in that other person that you want their welfare, even if it doesn't include you. So that, that's, that's the opposite direction. Now, generally, it takes something to pull you out of your selfishness. And that's why we have Krishna, the all attractive, right? who is so captivating that it begins to, to, to awaken us out of our self absorption. And we think, you know, you see the beautiful smile of, of Madan Mohan on the altar. And you think, ooh. And he, maybe there's maybe i can you know extend i can you know suspend my self interest for a moment and do some service in that way and then what's supposed to happen is that when we develop a connection with krishna in some way that we understand right just like we're mentioning here how everything else is connected with krishna and also everybody else right? and so and so everybody is a, is dearly as dearly loved by Krishna. And so if we begin to understand how every single soul is Krishna's beloved, and I said he's, he's, he's showing that by his presence in the heart as the super soul. We're here because we want to be separated from him and he's allowed that, but he hasn't allowed us to come here alone. He hides, so we don't, we, we're not angry with him for coming, but he comes with us. And he stays with us lifetime after lifetime. So he's showing by his presence, this soul is dear to me. And so if we begin to see that, have some hint of that in other people, then we also have a chance to make our love become more pure. You know, at first, it's, it's, a, it's a question of, of not being, you know, of, of at least including the other person's interest. Like, you know, we were, we were talking, you know, you, you may be, you know, some people may, may um, you know, may uh, uh, just be completely selfish, you know. And so then, you, know, you hear sometimes your know, people will say that, you know, oh, it made such a difference in my life when we had children, because then I had to consider somebody else's interest. You hear people say like that, you know, you know. And so that that's, you know, they, they've come out of at least a little bit out of their self-absorption and begin to consider others. Now that that's useful for anybody, it, it puts you into a little bit higher mode of nature. But to, to actually connect you with the real divine love, there has to be at least some understanding both that 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 that, 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 that souls are connected with God. You know? And so that there's the you know it needs you need that to actually develop real love. You, you can you can have more more refined, comma, desire. If you have that you know. But you need to have somewhere that spiritual connection. And, and, the, and the basis of that comes from Krishna's all-attractiveness. That we begin to be pulled out of our self-absorption. And eventually, when, when, when our Krishna consciousness is so powerful, right, it pulls us completely out of our even self-awareness. That's <laughs> so how it's mentioned in, you know, in, the, in the level of Krishna Prema. Where you know, Prabhupada says, at the end of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, the devotee has no way of even conceiving of happiness. <laughs> Except that I see that Krishna is happy in all respects. It pulls us out of not only are we no longer self-absorbed, but we don't even have any. <laughs> can even reference ourselves any longer. We can only think about Krishna. You know, so the 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 the, the crucial part that um, that can transform our our loving propensities is we ha- we have to have some notion that there's a connection there with Krishna. And that can make you know. Uh, that that can make the the other types of relationships uh, uh, lead us towards you know complete, complete selflessness. Mm-hmm. All
2: right, so we'll continue, but if, feel free to take breakfast. It's being served right now, so don't feel like you have to stay. Just wanted to let everybody know that.
0: We're running over time here, so no shame in in honoring prasadam, which has been, which once was material, but now is, well, it was spiritual, transformed into matter, and now has been re spiritualized.
2: I just have a quick comment. Mm. I think I very um, like the word uh, re spiritualized in this context. because in my previous dealing, I tend to sit and analyze a lot. Hmm. Like, this is matter and this is spirit. Hmm. And I like tend to analyze this is a motivation. This is a motivation based on duality, hmm. based on ego- egoistic idea. And then I don't act. Because I don't want to act in that way. Hmm. But I think the beauty of this um, bhakti yoga is that even we act with something material, but the process itself brings it back to normal state.
0: It's not a question of whether we... we that tends to be with, with, with Gyanis who are really focused on the difference between matter and spirit is, is that they want to avoid everything material. There's a, aversion to the world. That's what that's, they think that's what will trap you. But the, the real renunciation is how we deal with it and how we understand it. And so we do understand, of course, that there's the eternal spiritual, which is our, our real home and destination, and that, that's just fine to think like that. But here we are, right here in, 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 this, in this realm. And so it's not whether we act with it, but how we act with it that makes the difference. And so if I, if I see it as Krishna's energy, and I see myself as Krishna's energy, and I can see how to use myself and, and everything around me in Krishna's service, then there's no, it's, it's, it's liberating and not binding. And it's helpful to
2: others, you know?
0: So it's, it's, it's how we act. It's not whether we act or not. So the, 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 with, with, uh, with, with persons who are at, at, attracted to material things, right, then all their actions bind them because they're thinking in a material way. Those who are averse, they're trying to avoid it, but really they want it. It's just a negative proposition. Right? Like, I don't want these. You know, they want it, but they realize that it's not going to do anything permanently good for them. Right? So they want, but they say, "Okay, I better avoid it," even though I want. I want to enjoy it. Right? So it's just it's negation. We say, "No, no, it's it can be used. We just have to use it in the right way." Yeah. There's that one story where, where, where Prabhupada was at some you know, invited to some kind of spiritual prog- program in India where they had people of other you know different groups there. There was one one. Uh, uh, Mayavadi Sannyasi who they tried to give some dakshin to but he wouldn't touch any money and Prabhupada told his disciples, give me all the money he says I will use it in Krishna's service you don't have to be afraid of it right? otherwise you're afraid oh, this will be a te- the other Sannyasi think it could be a temptation maybe I'll use it for my own pleasure because that that desire hasn't been removed they just have wisdom to know that it's not going to be useful to fulfill your desires says, give me all the money I'll use it in Krishna's service Sounds different mentality. so it's okay. different so Hare Krishna thank you